Good evening, and welcome to this week's episode of This Week's Episode. I am your host, Evan Goldstein, and with me, as always, is the ever-ingenious Karen Rendazzo. I'd have recommended engine oil. And the always resourceful Chris Rendazzo. Sentience, please prepare for takeoff. We talk about television here on this week's episode, and every once in a while we get a little spoilery. So, this week, if you do not want Call the Midwife, Star Wars Rebels, The Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, or Party Down Spoiled, please stop listening, go check out those shows, and come on back. We try to make them a little bit more entertaining. Um, every, I, I'm putting all my cards on the table. I only watched my show and the main topic so i did not watch either star wars or call the midwife i'm sorry i usually do better than that so uh chris yes there apparently there's this new movie out i'm not sure if you've heard of it star worlds something to that star worlds right trek wars <clears throat> Space not- Trek Wars? Yes. Awesome. <laughs> we just made two Sifflinali references. I'm so happy about that. <laughs> Tell me about the cartoon version of this universe, please. Ah, uh, yes. All right, so once upon a time, there was a uh, show called Star Wars The Clone Wars, and it was all right. It was pretty good. It had some really high highs and some really low lows, but it was uh, never as bad as the prequel trilogy movies were. It was always pretty, <laughs> you know, it was always decent enough entertainment, if a little dry and boring. Uh, but then Disney bought Star Wars, and they uh, the, the Clone Wars was ended kind of preemptively. There was still more story to tell. They were in the middle of some really interesting stuff, but, you know... Disney bought Star Wars, so that had to stop so they could start their new uh, thing they were doing. And the new thing that they were doing was rebranding the Star Wars universe into something a lot more appealing to, uh, I guess, everyone. (laughs) Um, The (laughs) Star Wars universe, especially where where the Clone Wars comes from, the Star Wars universe was very much uh, the special editions and the prequels. Uh, there was, you know, very, very glossy, very much uh, things set in that time period. After Disney bought Star Wars, all that marketing disappeared, and as they started to market Star Wars under the the Disney banner, you started seeing things like Halloween costume commercials or people running around in in Target or something doing Star Wars stuff. But it was all related to the original trilogy. You started seeing. Very little, if any, uh, prequel trilogy stuff. Not really ignoring their existence, but kind of rebranding the Star Wars universe into something that's more universally appealing, which is the aesthetic and feel of the original trilogy. One of the pieces that they wanted to add to that puzzle was creating a new uh, cartoon for Disney XD that was also took place within the canon Star Wars universe, but was a little bit more leaning towards the stuff that happened in the original trilogy as opposed to something that happens mid uh prequel trilogy and uh, they wanted to kind of capture that same feel and excitement they wanted to have uh rebels <laughs> in it they wanted to have you know characters like han solo they wanted to have fun and interesting stuff as opposed to like you know lots of you know jedi and, and knights and all that kind of stuff so uh, they created this show called star wars rebels which is set i believe before it's between episodes three and four so this is um this is after the Emperor has uh, told the clones to execute Order 66. The Empire has been established, uh, and this is the group that basically starts the rebellion. 
against the Republic. And it's, uh, it, it is, it's, it's pretty interesting to watch. The trouble with the show, all right, uh, before I get, go any further, one more thing about the show is that it's done by, and I hope I get the name right, it's uh, Dave Filioni, uh, or Filoni, or whoever the showrunner for Star Wars The Clone Wars was, is the showrunner for this show. It has a very similar feel to The Clone Wars, but a, a, a slightly more interesting set of characters. Uh, one of the things that The Clone Wars did right was it took all the, the characters that were extremely wooden and dry in the prequels and made them interesting, fun. You know, Anakin Skywalker was fun to look at. Uh, it was fun to listen to, and, and he was a, a powerful Jedi, and he, it was they kind of showed hints of what would make that character become Darth Vader, but at the same time, what made that character so endearing to Obi-Wan. Obi-Wan was more interesting. Padme was more interesting. And... um uh, Anakin got a, a, a Padawan of his own named Ahsoka Tano, who was a great character. Uh, it, it, it was it was a cool show. Introduced a lot of neat stuff. Can I so, just interrupt? Yeah, go ahead. When does the Clone Wars cartoon take place? Between episodes two and three. Okay. During it's it's basically the Clone Wars. Okay. Uh, and the the conclusion of the Clone Wars is in episode three. Okay. So uh, Star Wars Rebels is about um, Aladdin. <laughs> Because uh, the main character is Aladdin. It looks like Aladdin, <laughs> sounds like Aladdin. He is Aladdin from the Disney movie Aladdin, starring Aladdin. So the main character is Aladdin. Um, and he is, you know, he's a street rat. He doesn't have a monkey, so he's Aladdin minus a poo. But he is he's running around, stealing things, running away from guards or stormtroopers, as it were. Uh, he is 100% that character. Um, it's also kind of hinted that he might be a touch force sensitive, which is interesting. So this other group of smugglers, basically uh, the, the Firefly crew, uh, shows up and, uh, their captain is a dude named, uh, God, I can't remember his name now. Why can't I remember this guy's name? Cause I'm a crazy person. I don't know. He's like the main friggin' character. All right. Freddie Prince so- Jr. Really? Well, Holy <laughs> shit! That is Freddie Prince Jr. I didn't know. Kanan I, Jars? I didn't know. I yeah, uh, Kanan. Yeah, I didn't know any of the voice talent in this. That's that is hilarious. Wow, Steve what Blum a is in this. <laughs> I thought the stormtroopers sounded like Steve Blum. That's fantastic. I don't know why I didn't IMDb be this before. That's that's fantastic. I did know that uh, the opening sequence of the show uh, features Darth Vader talking to um, some dude, uh, the Inquisitor or, or something. He's a cool looking character. Uh, and that Darth Vader is in fact voiced by James Earl Jones. Oh, and Jason Isaacs does the Inquisitor. Oh man, I'm liking this show more and more. That's great. <laughs> uh, so Ezra, who is Aladdin, uh, he runs around and he, he's trying to steal some stuff from this other group who's also trying to steal some stuff. They run afoul of the Empire. Uh, there's a big, like, bear-looking dude, and uh, he doesn't trust the kid, and the kid tries to steal the stuff, and then they all try to get away together, lines get crossed, and then when they're all trying to get away, the most obvious reveal in the history of all reveals, Kanan, the leader of this group, turns out to be an ex-Jedi, who is still alive. And he uses the Force and a lightsaber and fights off a bunch of stormtroopers, and they get away. Kid gets in trouble, captured by the Empire. They go back to go get him. Kid saves somebody else's life while he's there. They all get along and live happily ever after. Now he's part of the team. The first episode is all just, how does Aladdin get to be part of this crew? <laughs> Why? And <laughs> Every time you say Aladdin, a song plays in my head from the movie. <laughs> Gotta get one jump. <laughs> <laughs> Stormtroopers. 
one hop head of the empire. <laughs> oh God! Yeah. So all right. So Aladdin joins the crew, and um, Kanan uh, it promises to teach him how to become a Jedi or something like that. And uh, that was that's basically the that's the first episode is just all setting up of getting him on the crew. And then the second episode was like um, again reminding me a bit of Firefly. It was like. It was them pulling off a heist, and they wanted to pull. They they went to go steal all these weapons from the Empire, and uh, the weapons turned out to be like the who they were being sold to was kind of a bad thing in the first place. Kind of like that episode of Firefly where they steal the meds, and then they don't right. realize. That, yeah, it was very. It was similar to that, and they wind up destroying all the weapons because they were going to be sold to something as bad as the Empire. Blah blah blah. blah that blah, would be blah. the train job, by the way. Yes. Uh, good times mm-hmm. and yeah uh it's got the the I, when i had, i had mentioned this show on our show once or twice before when i had said that i had seen like the first couple episodes and apparently i didn't because the episode that i i had seen was not either of these two episodes so i don't know what episode that was but it's definitely going through some growing pains but i see where it's going mm-hmm. and especially this the spoilers that i've had spoiled for me now that i know where it's going make what's happening a lot more interesting because um, okay. everyone who's told me about this show is like yeah season one it's pretty straightforward uh you know kids show stuff it's all right until this one moment where everything happens and you're like oh kidoki <laughs> and then you know shit gets real and apparently season two has been uh, fantastic ever since so I am going to continue to watch the crap out of this show uh whenever I get the chance I am I am enjoying it it's got a lot of good voice talent um you know the characters are a tad on the cookie cutter side. Uh, there was a really fun bit in the second episode where uh, they ran into R two and three PO, uh. um, and this is a neat perspective that uh, this is a neat perspective that the show has because those characters were working for the Empire at the time, like because okay. that's where they are. Right. Uh, they, so they're working as a tra- like uh, our three PO is working as a translator for this woman who's like trying to secure that arms deal. And they wind up falling in with the rebels. Uh, you know, 3PO is all like completely loyal to the Empire because they're the boss. And R2 is all like, no, no, we're going to help him blow this shit up. It's going to be great. <laughs> but there is this. Beep, beep, boop, beep, boop, beep, beep, boop, beep. Exactly. I, I heard somebody say once that like R2 is just the dirtiest language every, every, any, ever anyone ever heard because they bleep everything he says wow if i had been able to get that out it'd probably been a lot funnier anyway you were saying so they're they meet up with them on the ship and they make a part of their plan is to get make the droids wait in the back of the ship so that um the woman who's using 3po to as her translator will be forced to like they somebody else can insert themselves to be the translator and get information out of her um so while they're in the back the droid that's part of the Rebels crew looks a lot like the original design for R2, like okay. the, the concept art. Mm-hmm. And so they roll into the back, and it's R2 and 3PO standing next to this droid and another random droid that looks exactly like the <laughs> concept art for 3PO. <laughs> I just looked like, all right, that's that's pretty good. Way, way, way to go, guys. That, that, that well done. Well me. done. And another piece of it was at the very end of the episode when – um. Uh, 3PO and R2 find their way back to their master, which is um, Bail Organa and uh, Senator Organa, uh, who the actor is doing a terrible Jimmy Smith's impression. Um, 
because he was played by Jimmy Smith in the movie, and sure as shit, he wasn't coming back to do that role. <laughs> That's uh, right. That's canon. Jimmy Smith is in the Star Wars universe. <laughs> mm-hmm. And he got blown up on all the <laughs> Sorry, Jimmy Smith. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, Mr. Smith. Uh, but yeah, they, they come back, and um, the end of it is him saying, so tell me about these rebels, because you're kind of getting pieces of, like, R2 kept saying to 3PO throughout the the episode that it was part of this secret mission and apparently R2 was tagging along on that trip because he was supposed to somehow sabotage the shipment and blow it up because there's already seeds of rebellion within the Republic or within the Empire. So this is all building towards that. How do they do um, R2? Like, do they do it like they do any other property where he beeps stuff and then somebody talking to him, you can figure out the contacts? Yep. Yeah, they do exactly like that. I really want someone to decode because you that. just yeah <laughs> you just said the way you said like oh R two was saying this and R two yeah. saying that and I'm like do they give him subtitles like this no, is something no, new no you just kind of piece it together from the conversation <laughs> like he's he says bleep bleep bloop and our and three PO is like what secret mission what the hell are you talking about it's <laughs> okay yeah, yeah. that kind of stuff um, this is apparently the only episode the two of them are in and Anthony uh-huh. Daniels did uh, do the voice because the two of them were in Clone Wars quite a bit but this. You know, uh, this group doesn't really they they interact with people from the original trilogy. Uh, in fact, they just announced that Princess Leia is going to be on an upcoming episode. Oh, that's cool. And again, that's interesting because at this point, she is part of the Empire, mm-hmm. and because right. uh, the rebellion is just just starting at this point. And what else is an interesting way of looking at this show? The whole time I'm watching it is that we've all seen the Force Awakens. Luke is the last Jedi, so. Aladdin's gonna die. What? Like the, this Kanan character, he's gonna die at some point. Um, this Aladdin kid, he's either not gonna get trained as a, a Jedi, or he is, and then he's gonna die. Like, or well, they're th- full of shit, and oh, Luke's not really the last Jedi. True. How about but, just uh, practicing Jedi? Because it is technically, isn't it, like a religion? Yeah, I guess. Yeah, it's like Catholic. <laughs> you know. I was gonna go yeah. with Jewish, but that's fine. <laughs> But, uh, I mean, they did wind up, like, that's how it was in, in the Clone Wars. We knew that all those characters were going to die. And then they fucking did in Episode 3. Like, they, they killed them all. <laughs> uh, apparently, except for a few stragglers out there in, in the galaxy, which is what the, the Empire is after, is finding the last of these remaining Jedi. And, um, I don't know, it's an interesting perspective uh, to, to see this happen with. And one of the, and, you know, big fat spoiler alert for anybody who hasn't watched this show one of the things that I know uh, happens is that Anakin's uh, Padawan, Ahsoka, is still alive. Uh, because she actually had left the Jedi Order but at the end of Clone Wars. Um, and so she's still alive, and she joins up with the Rebels at a certain point. And Vader becomes a regular character on the show as well. Oh. Which is really friggin' fascinating to me, because Ahsoka was a great, great character. And her and Anakin's relationship was really interesting on the show. And... Because, like, Anakin was one of the few people that was really standing up for her when, like, there was this whole bullshit thing going on where she got framed for something. And she was forced to be basically fired from the Jedi Order. And Anakin was like, this is bullshit. You know she didn't do this. And it was kind of like all going through the motions and whatnot. And there was a lot of mistrust there. And it was interesting. But, so, Ahsoka is all grown up now, which is neat. Because uh, she was a teenager in the, the Clone Wars cartoon. And this is, you know, a good while later. Mm-hmm. And she's fighting with these rebels for some reason and i as far as i know as far as i know she hasn't met vader yet and i'm really interested to see where that goes 
uh, if you know, what what a conflict between her and and Vader are going to be like because last time they saw each other, Anakin was a very different character. So so this is canon. Yes, this is canon. Okay. I was going to ask the same thing because um, I feel like there's a lot of like backstory about the new stuff we've just found out from force awakens that people are going to be like digging into the show for clues about like ray's parents Mm -hmm. like um is it poe dameron's mom supposed to be some like war hero pilot chick yeah they explained that in the comic series so there was a a four issue comic series that goes into poe dameron's uh family so like she could show up on this theoretically she could all of the stuff that is coming out now for Star Wars is being it's being made into canon, which is mm-hmm. amazing because there is so much out there that yeah. isn't. <laughs> is, that is not anymore. They erased all the expanded universe and now they're just counting this stuff. So what's interesting is the fact that the Clone Wars show that was canceled and is, uh, I guess, kind of owned by Disney but still kind of writes all up in the air – because it's it's still on like Netflix or something. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't know where that right those rights fall, but that storyline and those characters are part of this universe, and that's it's it's freaking fascinating. So I'm really excited to see where this show goes, uh, and I'm really enjoying it. I just have one final question. Uh, I was looking at you know some of the artwork from the show, and when does the laser slingshot come into effect? Laser slingshot. I think that was uh, Aladdin's weapon in like the first episode. Because <laughs> that looks just dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I you, you make it sound so good. I guess I'm going to have to watch this now. <laughs> like I'm saying, the episodes that I, I – it's got a ton of potential and I like the lore that they're establishing. But so far, the show itself has only been okay. Uh, like the, okay. the episodes haven't been grabbing me. I like the characters, I like the direction it's heading in, and I'm told that it gets great. And it's not like it's it's bad, it's not really a slog, but it's not... It's a meh. You know, it's, it's, it, it's, it's slightly above meh. Okay. It's like, this is okay, All I like right. this. Well, good, good. I'm glad to see that they're doing right by the animated universe as well, because mm-hmm. a lot of times properties just, you know, push that aside. Yes, put something out for the kids to keep them entertained... But seeing as they're going in depth stories and and you know and just making it canon makes it seem a little bit more important. So that's yeah. very good. And it's a uh, Disney XD, right? Disney XD, yeah. Interesting. All right, great, good, good stuff. Uh, Karen. Yes. Apparently, you have to make a phone call. <laughs> well, not <laughs> not me personally. I mean, oh, okay. that would be. <laughs> that would be I would there would be some explaining that would need to happen. Uh-oh. Call the Midwife is back and uh I feel it's only right for me to talk about it because I know other people in my life who like the show and I mentioned that I was gonna do this and they were like, Wait, there was a new call the midwife? And so like I don't know. Oh, so what, they really like it, huh? <laughs> I don't know what PBS did. Like they didn't promote it. It was on on Christmas Day, so a lot of people had a lot of stuff going on. Maybe maybe you missed it. Anyway, it happened. Um <clears throat> so Call the Midwife for people who don't know is another British show. <laughs> Seemed to be on on a trend lately. Um and that's perhaps why people like didn't know that it had come back because it's one of those ones that like goes like eight months between seasons and you get one season a year and it's only 
10 episodes. It's just, it's what the British do. British television <sighs> rocks on the 25th. Not gonna lie. Seriously. <laughs> they do, they don't mess around. Um, so Call the Midwife is about, it's set in the 1950s in a kind of a poor area of London, and it's about midwives. Um, they, who are nurses who are specially trained in childbirth. Um, and the nurses that are on this show work for something called Nanatus House, which is a, uh, like a convent, basically. There's a bunch of nuns that live there, and they also, you know, they do good work in the community, and they, you know, take care of the poor, and they also do, like, the childbirth, and they take care of, like, some sick people who, like, don't need a doctor, but they need, you know, something. Some sort of attention. Yeah, exactly. Um... So, you know, they just basically take care of anybody who needs taken care of. So this show is in its, it had its fourth season last year. Its fifth season will be airing this spring, I think. Yes. And, uh, the Christmas episode that just released was part of the fifth was, season. Yes. The beginning of the fifth season. So, um, it's fantastic. Um, I like the show for two reasons. Uh, one of which is that I think it's interesting to see a perspective on like something that's you know pretty common in everybody's life which is just you know like you know bringing children into the world you know, whether whether you're a parent or not you have people in your life who have children and it's interesting to see what that's like for that time period you know this is there are a lot of medical practices that were not that are commonly used today that are not in practice at this time and so it's really interesting to see people like you know smoking in the waiting room while they're <laughs> pregnant <laughs> like, all these things um the other thing i like about this show is that it makes me cry and but in a way that like feels really good like it's, it's just so cathartic a good cathartic <laughs> cry nice yeah and i mean it's i mean obviously it's some to do with my being a mother and you know seeing all these babies get born and especially this week i just i have a, a brand new niece this week um congratulations happy birthday josie way, thank you um so especially this week i was like oh babies <laughs> um it's also really cool how they film the show like they find really they, they they get fairly um close on the process of actually giving birth and like it's like how do you do that with just like, shy of crowning <laughs> real babies and like you know they i mean i've read a whole bunch of background and how they actually do this and like they have pregnant women lined up to have their babies be extras on the show basically <laughs> it's really neat so there were a couple of stories in this special that like there well there were a bunch of stories but there are a couple that were really um <clears throat> the most uh interesting one of which is, uh, like I was saying with the perspective on like a different time, is the local, I'm going to go with Reverend, I think he's a Reverend, mm -hmm. uh, finds out that the BBC has chosen their church to, they want to film a uh, Christmas um, religious service and put it on TV. So they, and they've been chosen. So everybody's very excited because TV is like a brand new thing and, and not it's it's was at that time when like not everybody even has a tv <laughs> so the show went meta exactly <laughs> nice um so there's a whole bunch of hoopla involving that and this guy for the bbc shows up and is like a total dick about everything because you know 
these people are like really sincere and genuine and they're like this is about the birth of christ and a happy time and our religious and our faith and everything and he's like we need more lights we need like fancier carvings on the walls we, we just need like to make it sparkle he keeps saying you need to bring the sparkle and his big thing is that he needs like a lot of kids he wants a lot of kids in the to you know singing in the church choir and whatever well at the same time there is a um measles outbreak in this community and this is this is another like thing about this you know perspective on a different time they didn't have a measles vaccine right. they've scenes with the doctor who is like so frustrated because i know they're working on a vaccine for this but it's just not ready yet and it's just, it's just so heartbreaking to put child a child into an ambulance and you know oh, yeah. just because of this disease so like the the bbc guys like ready to like pull out of the deal because there aren't going to be any kids because they're all sick and they have to stay home. But they end up making a deal to um, get the midwives and the nuns to sing instead of the children's choir. And they pitch it really, like, just really nice. So the guy accepts this idea and uh, everybody has a happy Christmas. So that's like the Christmassy part of it. And it was very heartwarming and lovely. Nice. Is um it- is this, is this like a, a situation of the week type of show? There or is. Is, is go there ahead. a through line? Uh, both. Okay. Sort of the um, characters' lives provide the through line. Okay. And then, like, there's basically a birth of the week. <laughs> I was going to say monster <laughs> of the week, but I didn't want to. <laughs> well, if you've been around a newborn and you're a parent of a newborn and you have to be around it 24-7, that, that situation can apply um, at times when you, you know. So there's not like sleep. one lady that's pregnant the entire season and then she just gives birth at the end. Well, it's only eight, episode, eight, eight episodes a season, but yeah, just no, spitting out no. kids all, all season. <laughs> yeah, they see like, I mean, and this is the time of... Uh, a lot of Catholics, and it's pre-birth control pills, so there's babies all over the place. <laughs> on the ceiling, on the <laughs> everywhere. It's horrible. There is a previous episode where, like, uh, they were talking about, like, this woman, you know, she didn't know what to do because she didn't want to get pregnant anymore. She was tired of having kids, and they couldn't <laughs> afford them, but, like, there was, there was no way to stop it. And, and they started talking in the waiting room about, oh, I heard they're working on a pill to stop it from happening. And, oh, this is, some people are like, that's horrible. That's, you know, against God. And, you know, the basis of the, the root of the whole birth control debate was right, right there in the show. <laughs> So the uh, the second thing was about the nuns. Um, these are very lovable nuns in my, you know, they're all very close to my heart. I don't know. Lovable People nuns. feel differently about nuns based on their relationship with whatever, but I didn't have any mean nuns in my life. So, <laughs> so I like these nuns. So there's uh, the, there's the oldest nun at the place is Sister Monica Joan, and she's really old she's like close to 90 uh she's sick all the time she has dementia so half the time she doesn't kind of know what's going on but then like conveniently for the story she's fine and she's like lucid and everything Mm -hmm. um so she's really excited about christmas and uh but she's been sick lately and she really wants to like celebrate but the nuns don't decorate for christmas until like the week before because it's all about jesus and we can't like go you know just going crazy on having fancy decorations and everything because that would that would 
Like, we don't want that to be more important than what Christmas is truly about, the birth of Jesus. Uh, so the old nun, Monica Joan, gets very upset about this. She ends up getting in a fight with one of the other nuns and uh, disappears, runs out in the middle of the night and, like, just leaves. And nobody knows where she is. And, you know, this is another time. It's before, it's before cell phones. It's before, like, <clears throat> even really, like, a lot of people have cameras. So, like... It's not like they can go hand out a flyer with a picture of her on it saying, like, have you seen this woman? And, you know. Interesting. Uh, so, it's re- you know, again, really interesting to see, like, you know, they try to go places she might have gone and they can't find her. And the nun that she had a fight with was, you know, feeling really guilty. She, while, while Monica Joan was missing, she went out and bought a Christmas tree and decorated it. She was like, well, when she comes home, she'll get to see this and she'll be happy. Oh, that's nice. Um, and it turns out that with her dementia, she d- was like bringing up all the stuff from her childhood. She had a very unhappy childhood. And so <clears throat> she ended up actually going back to see her childhood home um, that nobody's there anymore because she's 90. So anyone who is who right. was there when she was a child is dead. Um, so she goes back there like on her own despite, you know, being a nun, not having any money, not having, like, a car, not having a way to get anywhere. She basically walks um, and finds these, like, kids who are squatting there, which was weird. Um, (laughs) And they, like, take care of her and make sure she doesn't die. And eventually they, the nuns figure out, like, they start talking about when she was sick and she was having her fits of dementia and she didn't, she was talking about all these things. They figure out, oh, that's what she did. She went to World House and they find her and bring her back just in time for the Christmas concert and everything is wonderful. But it's a, there's a really nice message in there about everyone should get to go home for Christmas. And this was her version of that. Oh, I was, see you what know, they she did wanted to, there. Nice. She, she thought she was going to die and she wanted to go home so she could, you know, die in the place that she came from. But she didn't die. So, Yay. oh, guess what? <laughs> oh, guess what? You're not murderers. Oh, guess what? You're not dead. Um, and then there's the birth of the week, which uh, I thought was going to be like Christ. this woman was. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, actually, in a way, <laughs> I thought it was going to be this woman who is that they talked about her in the beginning. She's like, oh, she's going to have twins. And I'm like, oh, twins. That's a complicated birth. That's probably going to be the the birth of the week. So while this lady is like, you know, getting ready to give birth, we meet her aunt um, who is was was she's like very sad anytime the baby is brought up but it turns out it's because she had a child and it died when she it was like three months old um so she's you know has a hard time being around babies and stuff um and she's involved also with the church um the the church concert getting on tv so she's got a lot of involvement with that and she ends up talking to the nurses and everything about it um And they help her sort of, you know, she's had a lot of grief and not been able to really enjoy Christmas because of, uh, you know, her dead child. (laughs) Right. (laughs) I promise this has a happy ending. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So, um, but helping with with the children preparing for the concert before they all get the measles. 
um, really helps her like see the joy of Christmas and, you know, see, you know, the joy for other people and the joy of just children in general. And so she decides to get her baby's um, cradle that she never gave away and give it, donate it to the church for the performance to be the manger. Oh, yeah, that's nice. So, and then she's helping the getting ready, like, for the final preparations for the the concert and <clears throat> cleaning the church and everything. And she starts to have this attack. And they mentioned earlier in the episode, like, she sometimes had kidney stones uh, or she had some pain and mm-hmm. she wasn't really sure what was going on. So they take her to the doctor and the doctor checks her out and he's like, um, you're going to have a baby, <laughs> like, right now. You're preggers. <laughs> yeah, so that was, you know, they have those reality shows now, like, I didn't even know I was pregnant, but apparently it also happened in the 50s. <laughs> so that was very sweet that she ended up having the baby and So getting... it was a surprise birth of the week. Yes, surprise birth of the week. You didn't see it coming at week. all, did you? <laughs> <laughs> you thought it was this one, but oh, look out over there. Secret rogue baby. <laughs> the bait and switch, if you will. <laughs> exactly. So she had the baby, and then they ended up using that baby in the performance as the baby Jesus. So in a way, so in a way, it was the baby Jesus that was the birth of the week. There it is. I was right. (laughs) But it was nice because she was a she was a very sweet lady who, like you know, was just very nice to everybody. And like they showed some scenes, like the 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 woman who was having twins was her niece, and the the mother of the twins' mother was very mean to the aunt for some reason. Like, they didn't really explain why. But, like, she, no matter what happened, she was just nice and a good person and everything. And so it was nice for her. And she had something tragic, obviously, happen to her. So it was nice to see her get, like, a new beginning. And she named the baby Joy, which was very sweet. Well, that is nice. So, and I cried about six times um, during this episode. <laughs> so it was a six crier? This, this episode was a yeah, six crier? Yeah, it was a good one. It was a good one. And I needed it. And it uh, just felt really good. So if you are if you are interested in these kinds of things and seeing days gone by and learning about all kinds of different childbirth practices... <laughs> Is this is this a PBS or a BBC? It's a BBC. Okay, so um, a, that not, is broadcast on PBS. So it's is it part of Masterpiece? I think this is one of those things. I think it's part of Masterpiece, and so it and Downton was part of the same Masterpiece, and so I would set the DVR for Masterpiece Classic because of one of those two, and then if something else came on, it was like. WTF is Son of a... I gotcha. Okay. I want my babies, and I want my rich ladies in the 20s. I don't want anything else. Simple woman. twain shall meet. Simple woman, simple wants. Completely understand. Yes. So, if you like Call the Midwife, there's one out there. I um, tried to watch it on the PBS app on my Apple TV, and it was like, this is part of Passport, which is like... I guess if you, you know, subscribe to PBS during the membership pledge drive, this is like an extra feature you get access to. So I couldn't watch it. I had to nefarious means it up. Those <clears throat> but, tote bag peddling sons of bitches. <laughs> <laughs> but it is out there. If you, It's not hard to find if you know where to look. <laughs> All right. Very good. Very good. Sounds, uh, it sounds like a very deep show. 
and yeah know, there's a lot of deepness there's one one of the nurses is like she's gay but it's 1950s so she can't be gay so she's sick so yeah so she, she, I mean, she hides it and she you know has a girlfriend and she hides it too and they they'll lose their jobs and their families will disown them and they won't have anything and that's you know it's it's very dramatic and like serious but that the thing that i said in the beginning of the show about the engine oil that was one of the legit laugh out loud moments of the show for me it's like so there are those too one of the nurses was like gargling with something because she was given a criticism at choir practice and like her voice didn't sound good and then oh one of the nuns walked by and she was like i'd recommend you use engine oil instead <laughs> jesus <laughs> and you just don't expect that you know out of this so it does make you laugh very good um nice i am going to quickly go over the netflix show the unbreakable kimmy schmidt one of the best theme songs currently yes. going on TV right now. <laughs> yes. Um, I think this is the second Netflix show. No, probably the third because it was Orange is the New Black, which was my first foray into Netflix original content, then Daredevil, and then this. Now, uh, Orange is the New Black is a it's a, a dramedy. I guess there's some funny moments in it. When it gets on award shows, it gets awards for comedy. Okay. So <laughs> it, 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 yeah, but it's the, the Unbreak, Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt is a comedy. Definitely. It is a laugh out loud, everything is ridiculous, fun, fun, fun romp. Uh, the, base, the basic story is uh, Kimmy gets captured by a, a cult. And she is kept underground with three other women for I I can't I honest to God can't remember how I think long it's like fifteen years it's something ridiculously long and they're in like a, a, a like an underground bunker and eventually they are found and they become like sensations they're they're the the mole women the mole women <laughs> <laughs> and the the two. All right, so we, you, the the three girls that are with her are the tough Hispanic woman that pretended not to speak English the entire time they were down there, the idiot, like like the like the real dummy, and then, she's the one who like really believed in the cult, right? Actually, no, I I there was the one who was fully ingrained in the cult, and then there was like the moron. Oh right, her friend, her friend who's just. I mean, she was like, whatever, but she was really rolling with the whole situation. Um, they all go back to their homes f from where they you know, were kidnapped from. And before that happens, they end up on a talk show and they're being interviewed and their lives have sort of been turned upside down. And Kimmy decides that she is going to stay living in New York and start her life because the doomsday cult will not define her. So, within the first episode, we meet her wacky roommate, um, <laughs> who is the most outlandish character I've seen on television in a long time. I love me some Titus. <laughs> oh my god. Titus is a, well, a husky, black, homo flamboyantly homosexual man. 
whose dreams are to sing in The Lion King on Broadway. And he is currently rocking one of those character suits in Times Square. <laughs> um, the it's Iron Man, right? It's a, it's a, like a, it's like an Iron Man knockoff, if you will. Um, there's a whole backstory to how, like the the they're, the guy who rents out the suits is taking advantage of them, and so on and so forth. What it is, it, it's like this coming together of all of these different mindsets like yes granted he is ridiculously flamboyant but he is jade a jaded new yorker where on the other end of that spectrum is kimmy who is the wide-eyed everything is going to be okay mole woman (laughs) she's the most positive character i've ever seen oh yeah ever um, you meet their landlady, who is played by okay, it's Lillian Kushtupper. Um, that name may s- not sound familiar, but if I'm not mistaken, it's the wife of the Princess Bride that you know. It's have- Carol Kane, yeah. <laughs> it's Carol. <laughs> um, she is her like <laughs> she's she's funny. But it seems like unintentionally funny because of the things that she says because of her character. It's ridiculousness. Uh, you know, she sells drugs. Uh, she pretty much convinces Kimmy to be Titus's roommate without talking to Titus about it because Titus is late on his rent. So she sneaks Kimmy into the apartment and it's situational comedy at its finest. Um, within the first episode, she gets a job. With uh, Jacqueline, who is a, I don't even know what, like, I I don't want to call like a millennial or it's, she is a stay at home mom, very, very wealthy. So she has no idea what reality is. Yeah, she's like a rich society wife. Who who doesn't see her husband anymore. And because he's always either out gallivanting or, you know, air quotes, working, um, so they form this weird relationship. Technically, it's boss and employee, but there are these moments where she is like confiding in her or asking for assistance. And then at the end, it's, what are you talking about? You have no idea. I'm this person. You're that person. Don't talk to me anymore. Um, there's two kids. I mean, the, the show, beat for beat, is funnier than anything else I've seen on Netflix. And it, it's just fun. Like, there's no... There's nothing to it. They just found the right formula, and it's non-stop funny. It's really, really good time. So I highly recommend it. There's a... I think there's two seasons out? No, there's just one. Really? Still waiting. I, second one hasn't come out yet, huh? Because nope. they're, they're, they're claiming that there will be one. Let's see if we can get a date on that. Um, but it's, it's, it's such a good time. I mean... It there's really not much more to say about it because it's just ridiculous. It's it's ridiculously it's, uh, funny. Created by Tina Fey and Robert Carlock. Um, Tina Fey of obviously Thirty Rock and all that fun. And uh, Robert Carlock, I think he came from SNL. Um, yeah, and as well as Saturday Night Live and apparently Friends at one point. Um, <clears throat> so it's got really funny DNA. 
basically. Right. That's why it's so good is because of the creators slash writers. And one of my favorite things about the show is it's like every episode is a, is a thing. Like, the just you can tell what's going to happen by the, the the episode title. Kimmy goes outside. That's the very first episode. She gets out of the bunker. She, second episode, she gets a job. Then she goes on a date. Then she goes to see the doctor. And it's everything that we all take for granted as regular life are almost insurmountable obstacles to her that just are rife with comedy. It's yeah. It. <laughs> She went into the bunker when she was like a teenager, yes, or something she like was, that she was in kidnapped. the nineties. So, like, she's becoming an adult all at once, right? And she missed the advent of like all of these things that we all take for granted. So, like, cell phones and like internet and all that stuff. She's like, "Whoa, you just blew my mind!" <laughs> and Ellie Kemper, holy shit, that girl, she's amazing. Yeah. She I, she is so funny. Like I, she's a stand-up comedian as well. She's very good at, at uh, improvisational stuff. I mean, she knocks it out of the park because, you, like, I really believe that she is, uh, you know, a, a podunk from Indiana. Like, I don't think that you know she's acting, but she actually is. She's doing a very yeah, good job. Yeah, every <laughs> like that character is in every ounce of her body. It's really crazy. The- and they they do. Um, you've seen the whole season, right? Yes. I love that. Like. You know, they they stuck with Kimmy and, like, explored her, uh, you know, coming out into the world and doing all these things for the first time. But I think that concept would have gotten old really quick. So I was glad that they brought in, like, catching the guy who started the cult and yes. putting him on trial and making that part of the story, too. Which Richard which, Wayne, Gary Wayne. Yes, as <laughs> the amazingly portrayed leader. by John Hamm. The John Hamm. So good. Like, there's a whole court scene where he is defending himself in court, and he <laughs> he completely turns everybody <laughs> in the room. Like, like he just shows immediately how he managed to convince these women to live in a hole for 15 years because he's just, like, he's so charming, and he lays the bullshit on so thick that everybody in the room is just like, holy crap, this guy's amazing. I'll buy anything from him. The, the the funny thing is, is during that court case, the I guess he is the defendants of the prosecuting attorneys are a character by the name of Marsha, played by Tina Fey, and then Chris, Jerry, who, it, it, Jerry Minor, both of which are from Saturday Night Live and so on and so forth. But they are a couple of, and you can't really tell if they're lawyers or not, but they're practicing law because they're not really good at it. It's like the worst possible team up that you could po- get against this charming debonair son of a bitch that had four people trapped underground for 15 years. Yeah, they're basically, you know, Marsha Clark and Christopher Darden from the OJ trial. Mm-hmm. And yep. uh <laughs> which <laughs> is only fitting with Kimmy and her like constant 90s references. Like that's another great thing about her is like all of her slang is like Red and, you know, turbular or tubular. What do they say in the 90s? I don't know. I'm old. It's totally tubular. Don't worry. Totally about it. tubular. <laughs> but, and, and, you know, she's like, whatever, like, fashions were cool at the time, that's what she thinks looks cool. And she- <laughs> the highlight job that she was trying to get was working at a candy store. 
Yes. <laughs> what was uh what's the girl's the daughter's name? Jacqueline's daughter's name is like Gretchen? something. No. No. No, it's like something hard to pronounce. Okay. Hold on. Xanthippi. Xanthippi. What? She's... <laughs> <laughs> yes. X A N T H I P P E. Xanthippi. Uh she's Jacqueline's teenage daughter. She's supposedly Kimmy's like her nanny. Right. But she's a fucking teenager. She doesn't need a nanny. Anyway, she's constantly like just rolling her eyes as hard as can be rolled at all the stupid things that Kimmy thinks are cool. Right. She is the antithesis of Kimmy. Exactly. <laughs> now, Chris, you we watched a little bit of this show when it first came out, and you were not too much of a fan. No, that's kind of why I haven't really said anything. I no, I I'm just interested yeah. to hear where it lost you. Why you were wrong. No, stop I, it. We're going to come out and say you are not wrong in a minute after the break. I I don't think Tina Fey's all that funny. Uh, and I don't think her jokes are all that funny. I didn't think 30 Rock was all that funny. It was, it was entertaining enough. I enjoyed watching it with you. Uh, but I wouldn't watch the show on my own. And this show was just all Tina Fey jokes. And I didn't think they were that funny. I, I, I didn't find much believable about it. I, I'm, there's, you know, the, whoa, look how crazy New York is. Look at all these crazy New Yorkers. This guy's picking his nose in the subway. New York is crazy, but it's the greatest place in the world, and you must love New York. New York, New York, New York. I, just, I don't know. Didn't, it didn't do, it did, it did nothing for me. I, I didn't think she was that interesting. I, I, when we finally got to the reveal, the, they were talking about the the guy that locked him down there. I didn't think he was all that interesting. I wanted him to be. I I, I wanted to give it a shot because uh, I liked uh, what's her face from the office uh, when she was on the office. She was one of the characters that wasn't part of the original crew that was actually worth a damn. Uh, but I just I, I couldn't get into the show. Just just didn't like it. That's fair. Yeah. Absolutely. Everybody's not everything entitled. is for everyone. Yeah, I'm not going to say that I think it's. I think it was outwardly bad because um, I don't think that. It's just I don't find – I don't think her stuff is funny. That That's, that's the one thing with comedy. That's one of the only you know types of television or movies that is – it's subjective. Drama is drama. Horror is horror. Comedy, you know, there's a lot of different types of comedy that, you know, don't necessarily make everyone laugh, which is – it is what it is. It's fine. It's a problem we run into a lot is like, Chris and I have the same sense of humor in some ways and in other ways, like, completely different. <laughs> there's some things he finds I, I feel, funny I like that I'm a like. story behind that, but that's, well, that's another not, podcast. Not for a specific podcast. one at the moment, but like, sometimes there are things that I'm like, what the hell are you laughing at? And he has things that for me that he's like, you're cute. <laughs> And then he pats you on the head. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> well, I enjoyed the show really very much. Um, I also like the fact that it was a comedy that I got to binge watch. Uh, which, yeah, that doesn't happen a lot. Yeah. So, um, okay. With that being said, let's take a little break. Uh, when we come back, we'll talk about some partying down. So, uh, I have lost just listen the to the, you know, commercials and I stay tuned. We'll be back. Yoshi, Mario's adorable dinosaur friend. You love him, I love him, we love him even more when he's made out of yarn. But who has the time to play video games, right? Well, Geekade is taking care of that for you in our new series, Robot Nightmare. It's a 
Let's Play series wherein Alex and Ed, two funny guys, play video games for your amusement. Their first game is Yoshi's Woolly World for Wii U. It's more adorable than it has any right to be. But the only way to know that for sure is to check out Robot Nightmare on our YouTube channel. Go. Now. Words of Power is back. No, we don't know why either. But we started this thing and by gum we're gonna finish it. In case you missed it, last year Geekade embarked on a mythical journey. We vowed to read all the fabled Worlds of Power novels into a microphone and create fancy audiobooks for the world to enjoy. It's been an arduous task. The Metal Gear reading nearly killed Dan, and Blaster Master still keeps me up at night. But we're going to press on, starting this week with Worlds of Power Mega Man 2. It's the story of how Mega Man was turned into a real-life boy as part of a failed cloning experiment, just like in the games! Be sure to check out new chapters every Monday and Wednesday. It's all part of Mega Man Month, right here on Geekade.com. Welcome to the D-Lists, Jonathan Fugger has written a delightful eulogy for the recently deceased Mega Man comic series from Archie. May it rest in peace. Its life was tragically cut short, but while it was alive, it accomplished some tremendous feats. Pay your respects to this lost loved one in Super Fighting Comic Mega Man, located in the Think Tank. Karen Randazzo loves Hamilton. The man, the dollar bill, the mall. That's a little South Jersey humor for you. And more than anything, the musical. That's right. There's a hip-hop musical about Alexander Hamilton, and it's apparently really freaking good. Karen hasn't been able to get it out of her head for months, and if you're lucky, you'll suffer the same fate once you give it a listen. Want to know what it's all about? Read What Exactly is Hamilton? by Karen Randazzo, located in the Think Tank. You can catch all this great stuff, plus tons of other articles, videos, podcasts, and more, right now at geekade.com. And we're back. Thanks for checking out our commercials. Main topic this week is a show that was brought to my attention, I don't know, how many, what, less than a week ago, right? It's probably like three days ago. Um, Karen asked me if I... Because that's how much preparation we do for yeah. this fine show. Well, we have already watched a lot of television, and usually we can go back and pull something from our history, but you asked me if I had ever seen the show Party Down, and I said No. And then you told me who was in it, and I went, I have to watch this show. <laughs> <laughs> um, there are certain people that show up on TV randomly that hold a very important place in my heart. And I'd say, like, fourth down from the top of the list is Ken Marino. Don't know why. Anytime I see Ken Marino in anything, it makes me happy. Because he Even- wants to dip his balls in it. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so you've seen that season of Dawson's Creek that he was on. Yes. Yes, I have. I'm not going to. Oh, I'm I not, didn't expect you I, to say yes yeah. to that. Dawson's Creek. What's the other one where, was it? No, that was Dawson's Creek too. That was a, yeah, that was a long running show. Um, <clears throat> so this is, this is a show about a group of caterers. And the hijinks that they get into at events. Um, They're based in Hollywood. Yes, they're based in Hollywood. Um, The cast is actually all recognizable. Like, you've seen them from something, somewhere. I mean, 
Adam Scott, Ken Marino, uh, Ryan Henson, Martin Starr, Jane Lynch, and I'm missing someone. I can't even remember. Lizzie Kaplan. Lizzie Kaplan. Ah, there you go. Um, now, that's just the main crew. And they all have different personality types. You know, there's the surfer, there's the pretty boy, there's the nerd, there's the, you know, the the girl. I mean, she's the, the the most sane one of the group. And Ken Marino, who is the overly cautious, worrisome boss of all of them. Now, that alone could be immensely entertaining. The best part about the show is every episode somebody amazing shows up that they do a, a party for. Um, not for nothing, I don't know how many episodes, how far in, but there is one with J.K. Simmons. That we, just we just watched, watched that, that one. It's un-fucking-leavable. <laughs> okay? <laughs> um, I got up to, like, see episode 10 or so, and that was, you know, probably about... 15 minutes before we started recording and Kristen Bell showed up on screen and I was like, whoop, I got to stop this. I'm not going to finish this whole episode. I'm not even going to start it because Kristen Bell, Ken Marino, and Ryan Hansen were all in Veronica Mars. And I was like, oh, it's a nice little reunion. Plus, um, what's his name? Martin? I think Martin Starr. Martin Starr, yes. He was also, also in Veronica, Veronica Mars. Mars. Um, it was like a nice little cast reunion, which I thought was nice. Every, I think they've gotten every major actor from Veronica Mars to appear in this show because the father character showed up in the first episode. First episode was it? So ran into the pool naked. Yep. Yeah. There. Yeah. This is a stars show. So there's boobs. There's a couple of shots of penis. There's sex. There's. I mean, Ken cursing giant penis. Yeah, that was uncomfortably large. Like that was scary. <laughs> 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 There is an episode where the quiet character of Ken Mar- that Ken Marino plays is approached by a porn producer because he happens to catch a glimpse of him while standing at a urinal. So, yeah, there's that. And he tries to recruit that Ken Marino's <laughs> character into the world of porn. Well, for the Koreans. Right. <laughs> I don't know if you you caught that part. It was it was for the Koreans <laughs> so that he could open up his uh, Super Crackers franchise. <laughs> it's all about that dream. That dream of opening up a Super Crackers, which is the highest rated non-poultry, non-coffee. Non-coffee. <laughs> it's the fastest growing non-coffee, non-poultry franchise in Southern California. <laughs> all you can eat soup and salad. <laughs> um uh, I just finished watching the Steven Weber episode. Oh my god! I don't know when that. I, it, it, we have we haven't gotten to that one yet, but oh my god! I, I've I've seen the whole okay. the whole show. I mean, Joe Latriglio, uh, Darren. Oh, Moore. Joe Latriglio is fantastic! I can't wait for him to show up. I can't wait for more state alumni to show. Yeah, up. Yeah, a lot of state alumni show up in this. Tom Lennon, Carrie Kenny. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's it's. It's such a it's and of course, like every good thing that they put on television, it lasted two years, two, seasons. <laughs> two yeah. seasons from two thousand nine to two thousand ten. Um, what, what I kept noticing because it's you know that it on I I think I'm watching it on Hulu. Yes, so I I don't fast forward through the credits 
pre or post. And Fred Savage mm-hmm. directed like nine or ten of the episodes. <laughs> and every time I saw his name, I was like, oh, Fred Savage. Look at that. Good for him. Grunter. <laughs> There's another thing you may have noticed from the credits, which is that the show is created by Rob Thomas. Yes. Which is why all the Veronica Mars alum are in it. <laughs> Not the Rob Thomas from Matchbox 20. Oh. <laughs> I don't know how many times we have to tell you people. <laughs> well, Paul Rudd wrote for it. Yes, Paul Rudd so, is I mean, also involved. Th- such a, it's such an entertaining show. I mean, like I had said to you when I first started it, I got it took me like, I'm going to say three full episodes before... And I want to say it's when there was a, a romance started. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, okay, I give a shit about those two characters. And then um, Dick, I, I call him Dickie. I don't know what his character's name. Kyle. Kyle, yeah. And he starts pulling for Constance. Like right. he protects yeah, her. He and stuck, stuck up for her in that episode. That was real sweet. And like that made me start caring about the characters, which made the show that much more entertaining and, and more engaging for me. Yeah. I I just, <laughs> I just blew through like six episodes of like wow okay I guess I like this show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, once the characters start to develop, that's when it really gets amazing. Um, I think a lot of like a lot of what makes me laugh about the show comes from the contrast of the, like the people, the catering company people who are like real people who like have real feelings and real emotions and real lives. In contrast with the assholes at every party they've ever catered. Mm, yeah, ev- every just, party is full of asshats. Every it's, one it's of them. <laughs> and they're all different kinds of asshats. There's the guy who, like, hires them because he's, like, trying to fleece people. He's a con man and he's trying to, like, get all these investors. <laughs> There's that kind of asshole. There's the, the J.K. Simmons one is he's throwing a Sweet 16 party for his daughter and he's just, like, a rich Hollywood producer. Okay. His daughter's kind of a horrible person too did you okay you saw that joey joey lynn adam jo, joey joey lauren, adams, lauren yeah. adams did you catch the reference the, the no joey lauren adams who is that okay she is the wife oh joey lauren adams all right yeah yeah okay. got it there was a blatant it's like straight out of mall rats where it's kyle his teeth are hurting because he can't he can't have sex with her because his teeth are hurting they can't kiss and because he had them bleached and the other dude flicks him in the t- anyhow um <laughs> and he keeps pulling yeah up. let me see that that was that looks like it really hurts clink <laughs> he falls to the ground in pain but kyle is or joey is trying to seduce kyle and kyle's all for it but he just can't do it because of his teeth and eventually he ends up falling off the bed and she looks like straight at the camera and does the what the fuck line right from Mallrats when Silent Bob bursts through the changing room with his Batman <laughs> helmet on. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> yes, in that voice. She she, has, she hasn't changed very much in many many years. Yeah. It's it's such an entertaining show because all of the characters that show up like J.K. Simmons, Kristen Bell, they are not what I'm used to seeing them as. Like, Yeah, people can- play very against type on their on the show. Right, and that's, that's so much fun to see. Like Jane Lynch, I am so used to her being, um, what was that singing show? 
the high school kids? Glee. Glee. Sue Sylvester. Where she was sarcastic and mean, and she is the most optimistic, upbeat person on the show. Like she's, she is. She's delightful. The, there's a whole... Oh, you haven't seen it yet, but there's a whole episode with, I want to say there were Russians, where... Yeah, that's you, the Steven Weber episode I think you, you're talking about. Yes. Did you see that one? I have. Okay. Chris hasn't. <laughs> Everybody's famous for the day. <laughs> Which was a lot of yes. fun to see. Uh, it's a really, really good show. I mean, it's it's a shame it's not on television anymore, but it is available to us on Hulu. So, um, I've read that the part- contributing factors to this show going away were like it didn't have a lot of support on stars, and then uh, Adam Scott got cast on Parks and Rec, and Jane Lynch got cast on Glee, and they were like, "Well, bye, stars." Yeah. <laughs> And, you know, that's a shame, but that's what happens. I decided to check this show out a couple of years ago. I had heard about it. I had missed it. We don't, we didn't have stars at the time, but I heard a lot of buzz about it. And then I, you know, started to like, like some of the people that were on it. And then I found out, oh, you know, I, I think it was from the connection of Veronica Mars that I got into it. Mm -hmm. But the more I learned about it, the, the more I heard buzz about it, I was like, I gotta check this show out. And then like, like you, Evan, I just, binged it um it was one of my earlier binges of shows i am i am looking through the cast or the the full cast of the all of season one and everybody from that basketball player uh rick fox who plays himself on the show george takai takai rob cordry uh paul sheer i know who that is i I mean like the goot Steve Gutenberg is in this show. Steve Gutenberg, oh my god, oh, I'm so yes. stoked. <laughs> <laughs> like, the Goot. If if nothing else, watch it for the Goot. I miss Steve Gutenberg. Great show. If you like uh, Megan Mullally, she comes in as a regular character in the second sh- in the second season. Megan Mull. Oh, okay. All right. I haven't um, I haven't gotten that far yet. What's um okay? At one point in time, Jane Lynch, like, isn't on the show for an episode or two. And uh, what's her name? Uh, Hold on, Uh, Stifler's mom. Yeah, Jennifer Coolidge. Yeah, she shows up. I, you know, that woman. I, I want to poke her in the eyes. (laughs) I don't know why. Every time she's on screen, I just like stop talking. (laughs) Shush. It's uh, it's well done. Uh, unfortunately for me, a lot of times it's that uncomfortable humor, where it's it's someone else's ex- expense. It's not like a joke. It's you know they're making. It's just I have I have this weird thing where I start feeling bad for the people on screen that they're making fun of, so I can't watch that uncomfortable comedy. But the situational humor that happens in the show as well carries carries me through it. There is a scene like that in the in the Sweet Sixteen episode where Ron ends up the Ken Marino character gets a contact high from the rappers that have been hired to like perform at this party. Right, and Ron is recovering like substance abuse. Uh, He's in recovery. Person. Yeah, so he he doesn't do any drugs or drink or anything. So just getting a contact high from this is like. 
<laughs> they take it to a really comedic place, and there's just a scene where he ends up out in the party with this contact high, and uh, like a straight minute of Adam Scott just staring at him <laughs> while he like behaves high and kind of realizes that like he's reading oh, his face. What's going on? And, and like and keep picking at the snacks on the tray that he's supposed to be serving. <laughs> what am I? Supp- I was supposed to do something. What was I supposed to do? Oh, I was supposed. And, to- and he just and they just let those moments breathe. They just like stay on Adam Scott looking at Ken Marino okay, and just that was like a little bit more than it. breathing there. <laughs> It was it so, it, so I just <laughs> the 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 rapper's name was Dro Grizzle, and he was played by Kevin Hart. Yes, <laughs> Kevin Hart is on the show as well. <laughs> the the every character in the show has a, at least a little bit of backstory, and you don't they don't delve very deeply into it. It's it's like always. Well, except for the the main guy, where, where are we having fun yet? Henry. Henry's character. He's the he is the only one that's not happy with his like straight up seriously unhappy with his situation. Everybody else is just like dealing with it. Ken Marino is ecstatic because he's going to open up a soup place at some point in time. Kyle, he's just rolling with it. He's very cool. Um. Roman, who's played by Martin Starr, is a a writer who thinks he's better than everyone else, and everybody else is a moron. Ordinary did, fucking people. Did you see uh, there was the uh, the porn awards after mm-hmm. party where yeah. he was, you know, cause like follow my lead, man. He's like, what's that? You're not leading. <laughs> the lead. Oh my god, the follow my lead. <laughs> and there, at the at the end of that episode, there is this one porn star who is making the most uncomfortable talking scene with the Henry character because Henry's very uncomfortable with sexuality, apparently. But the things that she is saying are just like gross. And at one point in time, Martin or Roman is is talking with her, and they're like bonding because he's a, a hardcore sci-fi guy. And she says. That she's into sci-fi, and he, he's like, he's finally, you know, making some sort of headway. He's getting comfortable, and he's, t- and the conversation sort of continues, and he's like, well, what's your favorite thing about sci-fi? And she's like, well, you know, I like dragons. And there is like a five-second beat where you read his face, and he's like, I'm about to screw this all up. <laughs> and he was, you could see him restraining himself. He was trying not to. <laughs> push his glasses up his nose and be like, "That's not sci-fi." <laughs> that's but he that's couldn't not fantasy. Do it. He just couldn't not do it. If there is a wizard or a sword or magic, <laughs> that's fantasy. <laughs> and she just walks away. <clears throat> oh, bless I, I pre- Roman's heart. I, I appreciate you bringing this to my attention. It was a lot of fun. I really, really enjoyed it. And I guess I have another season and some to go. Um. Now, no, there's only how many one seasons? One season. There's only what you have. There's two seasons. You watched one season. Two minus one is no. There's okay. So, oh no, no, no. I'm looking at the directed credits. I'm sorry, because the directing credits only show nine episodes. Nine episodes, and then the writing credits have twenty plus episodes. So, I have, I've got a full season left to watch. A season and a show. Season and an episode. So, all right, yeah. I gotta go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the um the relationship between Henry and Casey 
mm. is really what like stole my heart about this show. The two of them, yeah, they're Adam fl- Scott and Lizzie Kaplan. <laughs> their flippity floppity relationship stuff that kept going back and forth. And the- this is where I fell in love with Adam Scott. Like I was, I was seriously in love with him for a couple months <laughs> after seeing this show. Um, and and her, I want her. I, I, she's like I feel like one of. I mean Ryan Hansen too. And okay, not everybody on this show has had a great life since the show but she is the one person i'm like why don't we see more of her she's so funny she's so great yeah. where is she and somebody hire her and give her all the money <laughs> give her all the roles so you know, i want to see her on my tv this this show all right like most standard sitcoms will have the single <clears throat> jealousy episode when it's like the new relationship and you know that someone flirts and someone gets jealous and they'll do that for an episode and that's a thing oh she's on masters of sex that's where she is yeah i was just gonna say she's been on that for a couple of years and i don't have showtime and that's why i don't know where she is <laughs> that's why you okay. don't know it go on Evan. they take that jealousy at, at least two full episodes at least 45 minutes of them making fun of each other back and forth about oh this is just a, you know a casual relationship and so on and so forth and i'm not jealous and you're jealous no and blah 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 and like they're they are so unabashedly cute together they really are <laughs> like for two people who are like so you know by turns angry and miserable and sarcastic they're adorable mm-hmm. they're just cute people in general first off and their 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 coupleiness their their relationship is adorable so i like it i'm i'm very happy with it i like you know thank you you're welcome i just I, you know I if you I like veronica kept... mars and or the state you should probably check the show out yeah absolutely very very good stuff so all right um recap uh star wars rebels uh you know, a, a solid thumbs up. Okay. Not an enthusiastic one, but a solid one. A solid thumbs up. Um, call the Midwife? It's not for everybody, but it's certainly for me. If you like uh, period pieces, if you like serious drama, if you like things that make you cry, but in a good way, yes. Uh, the Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt? I say yes, but apparently it is a specific type of comedy, so... Chris says meh. Meh. For some, I really enjoyed it. So we'll go... Ditto m- for me. Meh and a half. Maybe meh and three quarters, seeing that's two to one. And party down. Thumbs up on this this front. Hell yeah. So, very, very Gotta good Gotta watch time. another episode, probably before we go to sleep. <laughs> I'm down if you are. Okay, you know what I don't like about Hulu? Is that you could you, if you leave it on... It not only it finishes the going. show that you're watching, it switches to another show and then continues. It's that always show. Gotham. <laughs> oh, no. It is always Gotham. Uh, mine switched to The Invisible Man. I didn't even know that what? was a television show. <laughs> I swear, That's between weird. like Hulu relentlessly wanting us to watch Gotham and Blackheads commercials <laughs> that I'm real sick of seeing. <laughs> swear to God, Hulu. Damn you, Get Hulu. Your shit together. Add them to the list right under Comcast. <laughs> oh, they're way below Comcast. <laughs> Only because Comcast is like king shit of fuck mountain. <laughs> Chris. 
There aren't enough fuck yous in the universe to explain how I feel about Comcast. Oh, dear. I've set him off. Oh, dear. Comcast, big fans of the show. (laughs) 10 out of 10. Big fans of the show. (laughs) 10 out of 10. (laughs) Chris. And that is our show. Once again, you can get in touch with us at mail at geekade.com, as well as all flavors of social media that we inhabit. You can like us on Facebook. You can find us on Instagram at Geekade. Subscribe to our YouTube and Twitch channels for all our latest video content. And follow us on Twitter at the underscore Geekade. Or you can follow this show specifically on Twitter at Twepcast. That's T-W-E-P cast. You can also find us individually on the Twitters. I am at Geekade Chris. That's Geekade K R I S. Karen is available at shoot underscore the underscore moon. And Evan is available at Geekade underscore Evan. If you're interested in more information about anything we discussed tonight, be sure to check out our show notes. And while you're at it, you can also subscribe to this and any of our other wonderful podcasts on iTunes, where if you're super nice, you can leave us a review, because any and all feedback is welcome and appreciated. Again, always remember to keep your eyes on geekade.com, where we post something new every single day. Back to you, Evan. Thank you so much, Chris. So, I I, I don't, should I tease next week's show? Yeah, go just, ahead. Just, Why just not? a little bit. We actually have a plan we ha- for next week's show. So a let's part plan. It. It's, it's half a plan. <laughs> uh, as Chris made comment, what two weeks ago we had uh, a new podcast start on our on our site, uh, submitted for your approval. It is a episode by episode podcast, and it is hosted by Brandon Brandon Cruz. Brandon, not Brendan. Brandon, Brandon. <laughs> And he's trouble a, with the name. Well, it, 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 my I'm autocorrect Monday. in the brain always changes it. Um, he is also from Apathetic Enthusiasm, so we like him. We're going to have him on the show next week. Uh, we're going to talk at least a, a little bit about the Twilight Zone because he apparently is a huge fan of the show. So check out you know our show next week. We're going to have some good times, a little crossover action, if you will. Giggity, 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 go synergy. <laughs> so that was creepy <laughs> yeah it was it was very creepy synergy <laughs> much better thank right. you so with that being said from all of us here at this week's episode i'm evan i'm karen i'm chris good night like oh yeah you well I, i'm your only choice i don't have to give you good service i can laugh at you when you get bad service and I will continue to accept your money with a giant smile on my face. Would you like this dildo up your ass? How about a tree? Can I shove a tree up your ass? You can't stop me. I'm your only choice. You can't do anything without internet. Fuck you, by the way. Just say the word Archie. Archie. Cool. You can edit that in. Why? Because she said Archer. Oh. Didn't even notice. <laughs> And the whole and after as soon as after you said it, I imagined Archer <laughs> writing a Mega Man comic, <laughs> which would be awesome. Awesome. I want to play my new game. Yeah, I want to play fucking Legos Dimensions. Yeah, you have your fucking Gandalf stand in. They sent us an envelope I... to send the old one back <laughs> without sending you the new one. You fucktards! You're not getting anything back until I get the new one. You out of your goddamn mind? <laughs> And this concludes our broadcast day.